Hi, and welcome to Food at the Table, the small group podcast with Rev and Gavin. Y'all, it is a great day to be back on the podcast. Y'all, we didn't wait until the last minute this week. We didn't! Woo! Yay! <laughs> it's kind of been a weird week for me and Kevin, because as of Monday, Kevin works with me now. Which was yesterday. Yeah. Keep in mind. But I just wanted to like point that out. So this like today was literally day two. Yeah. And we have put him through the ringer. So yeah. since he has been kind of blasted with information this whole week. All of it. We decided like, at once. Oh yeah, it was literally just a shotgun blast. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. It is what it is, you know. Learning new jobs. And Trial everything. by fire. Yeah. Well, that's like the nature of the job. You got to learn as quick as you can because the office hours, the office of a church constantly moves. You're right. But honestly, you've done a fantastic job. Buddy. I just want to tell you that. I appreciate that, my guy. But because he has been shotgun blasted with information for the last two days, we decided, hey, let's do an ask a pastor. And and I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and give fair warning. Uh, we want all the smoke in this episode, okay? Y'all, last week we did our hot take, and we were looking at the questions that we were going to look at today. And honestly, I think they're a little bit more harsh than what we did last week. We are feeling very feisty. Yeah. As my dad used to say, I'm feeling froggy, getting ready to jump. That is. Absolutely, something your dad would say. It is. I just I don't know why. <laughs> but guys, today we're going to hit our ask a pastor, and really we're kind of hitting some of the harder topics because you guys sent us some really, really tough questions. Yeah, we're we're going where a lot of people would be afraid to go. And you know what? We're going to hit it because honestly, this is some of the questions you guys are asking these hard questions. Mm. And I don't want to ever push them off. I don't want to say, hey, we don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. This is a platform for you guys to ask your questions. Absolutely. And we want to be able to pour into you guys and give you the answers you're looking for. And that's that's the whole point of us trying to be a big small group, you know? In in these small groups, they have to be a kind of safe space where you can ask the tough questions that you just don't know. Um or even if you do have kind of an idea, uh, just get more insight into. Um, and guys, uh, we do keep a list of all the questions that we get sent. Um, we're constantly updating that. Whenever we get questions uh, on our social medias or through the email or whatever. Um, so if you have questions, concerns, comments. Uh, compliments. Compliments, yes. I love compliments. Um if you are just enjoying the podcast and want to tell us, uh, or if you have some kind of fan art thing, yes. uh, all of the fan Wayne art. over here, actually, uh, just before we started recording, uh, posted a little something something uh, to our social medias that uh, someone made for us. You know, let's go, we're going to give her a shout out, a brief. Honestly, it's my sister. Bree, Wayne's sister. She has done amazing jobs going through taking some of the things that we've said on the podcast, and she got inspired, and she created some awesome artwork for us. Mm -hmm. And it is so nice. Uh, So if you want to uh, make a post of your fan art or whatever, don't forget. Hashtag Fat Podcast. Yeah, post them on Instagram, post them on the Facebooks. Hashtag Fat Podcast. And you can find us on there. On uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Food at the Table Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Food at the Table. Wayne is up on TikTok at Rev.Wayne. And if you are feeling like a business professional, that actually like worked well because this is like the first time in so long I want to button up. Um, <laughs> Like, something clicked, dude. That was weird. I was over here going, wait a second. Hold Um, on. Kevin, for the first time, actually looks like a business professional. (laughs) What's going on? That was weird, dude. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. Food at the Table podcast at gmail.com. Send stuff over there. Um, Back to you, eh? (laughs) You guys don't understand, like... Uh, I really we need to get the video going that way you can see us because <laughs> yes. honestly when me and Kevin are here I generally like he used to come from his work at the radio station over here 
So he'd be wearing like jeans and a t-shirt or jeans and a sweatshirt or whatever he was wearing. If that, that like, like very relaxed. there were there were lots of times I would roll in here wearing sweatpants <laughs> and like would take my shoes off in here even <laughs> just <laughs> doing whatever. It was a very relaxed environment and like generally for the church, I'll wear uh, some sort of like jeans or slacks. And uh, if I'm wearing my sweater, I'll be wearing my t-shirts. Mm. And today I was wearing a t-shirt, and so now I kind of feel underdressed here, Kevin. Yeah, come on. This is very weird dynamic shift. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> oh goodness. But guys, one thing that we want to do for this podcast today, because you guys hit us with some very intense questions. Oh yeah. So in that, we do want to kind of give kind of not really a trigger warning. I don't want to say a trigger warning. A heads up. But a big heads up here, guys, because these questions are hard. Mm-hmm. These questions are difficult. They're not of anything kind of sensitive topic, but they're coming after. Uh, I think our theme this week has really been uh, preachers mm-hmm. and questions about preachers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question because, uh, Kevin, I want you to start off with this one today. Yeah. And it is, uh, should preachers be, quote unquote, stepping on toes? Well, yes and no, honestly. Uh, because you hear a lot of preachers like whenever they use the terminology stepping on toes, it's always either uh, no, I'm about to step on some toes. Hope you wore the steel toe boots to church today. Mm-hmm. Either that, uh, and then they go on some huge rant, uh, or I hope I didn't step on your toes after they go off on something. And whenever I think of someone preaching, I think whenever they use the terminology stepping on some toes, they're coming at the point of either uh, saying something that might make someone uncomfortable um, in some type of way or... Well, yeah, just making someone uncomfortable after saying something. Uh, Maybe whether that be like they're offended or uh, they're really convicted about something. Uh, Stepping on toes can kind of cover both of those ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, And when I think of somebody who is doing a good job preaching what the Word of God says... They're probably going to step on some toes because the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting those uh, the people hearing this preacher through what he's saying. Yeah. Um, because let's be real, the Bible isn't all warm and fuzzy all the time. Like there are times reading the Bible where it can straight up black and white say, "You're being stupid. Knock it off." And that's not like a comfortable thing to hear. No, to be, it's like that concept of rebuking. Yes. <laughs> I, I tell you what, guys. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. If you read the Bible and you feel comfortable about what you're reading, either you're doing everything extremely right or you're not reading the Bible right. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it that way because it sounds very much like, oh, you better get that King James Bible going. But no, it's just because when you're reading the Scripture, when you're trying to go through the Word of God, you're reading it more as, oh, what am I going to get out of it? What, mm. what has God wanted to say to me instead of what did God say in the Word of God? Yeah. You know, it's very me-centered versus Christ-centered. It's uh, another way of saying what you just said that I've heard a lot that really stuck with me was um, the idea of, uh, like, in Sunday school or in a small group or whatever, um, uh they're in some sort of passage and somebody asks the question, now what does this mean to you? (laughs) Which, I mean, that in its own is like, yeah, cool, okay. But then you also have to realize sort of the underlying context of that. The to you part is extremely important because in reality, that's the wrong question. Mm -hmm. What does this mean to you? That is not what we should be asking. No. It's, what does this mean from God? Mm-hmm. Because those are 
two completely different questions. Oh, yeah, it's the opposite sides of the spectrum. Because, mm. you know, we always think of a letter being sent uh, to you from such. Mm. Really, we need to focus on who it's from rather than who it's to. Exactly. Because, yeah, you know, I, I've always been told, like, the Bible is the love letter from God to mm. you, which it is. It tells you about the love of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it tells you the love of God and how he is going to come down and how he sacrificed his son for you and me. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly. But when we read it and it's very much directed towards, oh, what, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. No, this is what Christ has done for you. It's the same kind of idea of, like, getting in an argument over a text message. Yeah, That is a total just misunderstanding. Because you just looking at a text message, just looking at the words, you can make them mean whatever you want to. Oh, yeah. Well, for example, my wife just texted me a little while ago. Yes. I mean, we had gone out, uh, I think last week. Um, yeah, it was last week. We went out, we bought a new couch, finally, because mm. our couch was broken and we really needed a new one. So we went uh, for Christmas. Our families gave us some money. We saved up some other money to go along with it. And we had to buy a couch, a couch that we've been hoping for for a very long time. When I got the notification of it, I did what every good Southerner does. I took the old couch, took it outside and threw it by the Put curb. Put it out on the curb. That's what you're supposed to do. Yep. Well, Kaylee texted me today and said, hey, the couch is gone. Now pause. Wayne, what did that mean to you? <laughs> well, it took me a minute to think about it. Because to me, when she says, hey, the couch is gone, I was like, how did they get in the house to get it? Now, 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 Wayne, uh, what what was Kaylee meaning? She meant the couch by the curb was gone. Bingo. That's our exact point. So really, I have to understand context and things like that. And we can go into hermeneutics, the study of scripture. Another we time. Can go all that good stuff. Yeah. But. but to go back to this idea of uh, should preachers be stepping on toes? So I said one side of the coin. Uh, <laughs> if they are doing it in a way that is fueled by the Holy Spirit uh, to bring conviction, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, if they are just being rude and offensive, and just coming at you because they can. And I'm going to say it. If they're pushing some sort of political agenda. And just putting mud all over the opposing. Uh, not even just in politics. Just in whatever. If there's one side and the other. And they're smearing dirt in the face of the other. Then that is completely wrong. I cannot stress that enough. That is wrong. For today's podcast, I think we really need to explain something here to uh, to our listeners here, to the rest of the small group. Kevin comes from a radio station where you have uh, these people, very uh, very backwoods Baptists, very backwoods country people, preachers mm. coming up and preaching. These are the typical, uh, what you call IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist preachers, and these hardcore pastors who do that kind of thing. And they're, they're not... Just Baptist too. I want to kind of throw that out there. A lot of the ideas that you think of when you hear IFB uh, can, and by IFB I mean Independent Fundamental Baptist. Well, we're gonna say IFB. Yeah, it's just uh, easier. A lot through here, but um, a lot of those ideas kind of cross into other denominations and other church groups and oh, yeah. all that. Because like some, there are some non-denominationals, which we'll actually, one of the questions we've been talking about relates to this church, but we'll talk about that later. We going and get this, to the... you know, I even grew up in like some of the Church of God churches around here, mm. because I went to Lee and that's Church of God, that they are very much this way. These yeah. preaching a political point to make you feel bad. They're mm. here to step on your shows. It's almost like if they didn't make someone feel bad for some reason, they failed as a pastor. Well, it's because uh, for them, it was better for you to be convicted. They know that they did the right job when you feel convicted for it, mm. and it's not true. That's not what the whole. That's not my mm. job. You know, um, which again, there's a lot that goes into the reasons that they think that way and all that stuff, and we could go on and on about that alone, but right. we just simply don't have the time in this. In this episode. Oh, no, that's right, because, oh, yeah, we're just kind of jumping into here. But uh, from my perspective, when we look at like that should preachers be stepped on toast thing, 
I, I, I agree with you. It's a yes or no situation. Mm. Because you're right, if they go political, but that's not the point of the pulpit. Mm. Uh, not only that, I should be preaching for certain ideologies. I should be preaching the word of God and what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. That's my job. When I was uh, trained up in Bible school, there was a book I was given. It's called Preaching for Change. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of our textbooks we had to read for my intro to preaching class or our ministry preaching class, which is like the second level. In that class, we were taught, hey, when you're preaching, you're not preaching for them to feel bad. You're not preaching for conviction. You're preaching that they will come up and change something in their life to be more and more like Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what preaching really is. Have I preached and stuff on some people's toes? Yes. I don't I don't think you could be a preacher or let me rephrase that. You could be a legitimate pastor mm-hmm. and not step on someone's toes. No, because you should. It should be a challenge. I'm not gonna I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to challenge you. Mm-hmm. To make sure you know that hey, we always can be better because the biggest thing, guys, the per- person who gets preached at first is the one preaching. Yeah. Because when they're typing out their sermons, when they're going through their studies, God is really showing them, hey, this is where you need to fix in your lives. Because you're not going to go out there and preach to people to fix their life without you doing it first. Mm-hmm. And it's always this kind of step up. We're supposed to be as good as we possibly can be as pastors. And what that means is I'm supposed to be growing. I'm supposed to be growing more and more like Christ. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Follow my example. But one of the things that comes to this idea of preaching to change is we're supposed to be showing love while we're rebuking. Absolutely. And that's really where we're falling short with these pastors who are out here preaching this hard message, who are threatening uh, members of the congregation, exposing members of the congregation, uh, bringing people's sins to light mm. as if it's a joke or as if uh, it is their holy right to do so. Let me, let me be very clear to this. It is only God's right to expose sin in your life. Mm-hmm. Because I need to get the log out of my eye I get this before I get the splinter out of yours. Mm-hmm. God needs to do a work in me. And if he works in me and says, hey, that brother over there, kind of like Nathan was with David when after the uh, sin with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. When Nathan walks up to him and goes, hey, you know, you've messed up. You done goofed. Guys, I'm going to take a moment here. Um, if you really want to understand like what Wayne's talking about right here, there is a episode of VeggieTales, and yes, I am being 100% serious when I say this. Uh, that is the best I have ever seen this whole story play out. Like, the way that they illustrate all of this mm-hmm. with Nathan coming to David is beautiful. And yes, part of that is because I think it's hilarious. He uses a felt board, but, yes. you know, uh, it, it just says exactly... What's going on? Two children's ministry 101, felt boards. Yes. But like, for real, go check that episode out. Just like Google it or something. I don't know. It might on be YouTube. on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. There you go. But go check check it, out. it out. Because seriously, like within that story, um, we really find this moment rebuking. And when he mm. rebukes it, it was not that way David would feel bad necessarily. Mm. It was that for David would change back to God. He would come back to God as mm. much as he could. You know, this uh, redemption arc is what Nathan was looking for. That was that was the whole reason Nathan came to David in the first place. <laughs> it was so that they could be redeemed. Mm-hmm. This is the whole point of the church and the whole point of pastors preaching. It is not that sinners will feel bad. It's that sinners will come to be redeemed in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked a lot about last time. You know, Jesus is for everybody. Yeah. And when you get back to that, but it's about being redeemed in Christ. Showing, I'm supposed to... Love you, and Kevin, you know, you know me, and I know you well enough that if we're messing up, mm. we're gonna come to each other, look, flat, look each other flat in the face, and say this, "Homie, you goofed, knock it yeah. off, <laughs> be better." Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the kind of relations. I'm a very blunt person, and Kevin. I'm sorry, I know I'm very blunt, <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to like that bluntness, the reason why is because I don't want to ever hold back. Yeah, because I want you to make sure that you can grow in Christ, because that's my job mm-hmm. for you. And I mean, that is. A scriptural idea. Yeah. Uh, there's scripture somewhere. I don't know exactly what it, where it is that talks about the concept of ironing, sharpening iron. Yeah. And I've talked about it a long, long time ago. Proverbs. Yeah. But that is a painful process. Yeah. Like the way that happens is you're literally ripping the the uh, faulty places. 
the the rough places mm-hmm. you are ripping uh other stronger iron across that to get rid of all of the rough edges to bring it back down to where it needs to be mm-hmm. and that's not always like a comfortable concept. Well, it's always my favorite image when we look at the iron sharpening irons uh, picture mm-hmm. is uh, when you're sharpening a blade. Mm-hmm. Everybody very famously will look at the like sharpening sword on a grinding wheel. Yeah. And all you see is these giant sparks popping off. Now, people don't always realize that those sparks that are flying off is not just cause of friction. That is hot metal it's shards iron of metal being flying. launched. It's literally reduced. Like, that's why you only get sharpened the blade so many times. Mm-hmm. It's because sooner or later, there's not going to be enough metal there to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And this kind of redemption that we need to do, this kind of back and forth with each other, this honesty we need to be with each other. I look at you and be able to tell you, hey, you're being stupid. You need to be able to say the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, but it's not just, hey, you're being dumb. You should be better. It's, you're going to go to hell if you keep doing that. Which is said way too often behind the pulpit. Uh, <laughs> I, that hints the reason I said it. Yeah, no, sorry. It's just really like flashbacks. Sorry. <sighs> okay. Guys, but, that should tell you something. The way Wayne is reacting. If if you haven't grown up in church, you uh, might not like realize that that's a thing going on. Uh, and even then, like if you're a college age, I'm sure there's been like some sort of uh, street preacher or something like that uh, come to your college campus or whatever. And just lay into people for like no reason. Dude, I went to a Christian university and there's street preachers on the streets all the time on campus mm-hmm. preaching the gospel, like preaching a hateful gospel. Guys, the gospel is not hateful. It's about love of Christ no, and what he's done for you. Guys, the thing is, we're called to be better than what we were. We're supposed to be more and more like Christ. What mm-hmm. Christians mean is little Christ. When we're trying to grow more and more like God, that means a lot of our lifestyle has to be changed. Mm. So when I talk about am I going to step on your toes, it, it's going to be hard to hear sometimes. Yeah. But the reality is, if you felt convicted about it, good, change. But mm. I shouldn't be preaching just to make you feel bad. Absolutely. I should be preaching to you and telling you, here, let me help you get to the next step. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. If, if you hear anyone preaching or just like in a conversation, about the gospel or about uh, the Bible in any way, and they are coming at it from feelings of hate or hostility, whatever they are saying is wrong. It doesn't matter what they are saying. If that is where they are coming from, they are wrong. Don't listen to a word they're saying. I want to caution you on that one, though. They could maybe say yeah. some decent stuff. Well, no, not, but. not what I want to say there. Remember, when we live in sin, when uh, you're living the right life and I live in sin. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say that, that comparison. I will always fe- uh, feel an idea of hostility towards me. Because you're telling me my lifestyle is wrong. You're telling me everything I need, I'm doing is wrong and I need to change. There's hostility automatically in, embedded there. If someone's coming up to you and being hostile, being hateful towards you, if they're being hateful, walk off. You're 100% on that. Mm. But hostility, that's a challenge there, too. That's I think that's more so what I was trying to get across, uh, the, the, hate, the hate side of it. But with this idea, like, I want to kind of – it might not be what you meant, but I want to run with it for a second because it's really funny. Yeah. But the idea of hostility, too, if you're feeling like there's a hostile environment here, you know, like, even if you're on the small group and we're saying something, you feel like hostile, like we're being hostile towards your way of life – one thing I want you to do, first things first, email us, talk to us, let's have a conversation about it because I would yes. love to be able to chat with you about it. Yeah. Because the biggest thing is, is I'm not trying to be, we're not trying to be hostile on this podcast. We're not, we're not trying to go for anybody's throats. No. Like that is the last thing we want to do. Because all we're doing here is we're wanting you guys to become better. We want to be grow mm-hmm. as a community of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to grow closer and closer with God. And sometimes that means, hey, we're going to say something that's not comfortable on your ears. Take it. If you don't feel comfortable, text us, message us, whatever you need to do, email us. We'd love to be able to get a hold of you guys and talk with you. Because we're not here to itch. To, we're not false teachers who are calling out to itch your ears. 
Yeah. We're here to tell you that sometimes what we're going to say is hurt. What the word of God says hurts. Absolutely. Uh, and you got me thinking, Wayne, with this idea of uh, it's not always easy to hear or something like that, or it might seem kind of hostile or have that idea. So the last few verses of uh, John 21, we're going to get there eventually. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to totally read it, but I literally read it this morning and it came back into my head. Um, so yeah, that. that's a thing. Look, Look at that. that. Um, but literally this is uh, at the very end of Jesus's time on earth. On earth. Um, and, uh, Jesus and the disciple whom Jesus loved, meaning John, uh, that's how he refers to himself in the book of John, John. and, uh, Peter, they're all, uh, walking down somewhere and, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me try and find it because I lost where I was at. Uh, uh, shoot. So basically, uh, through circumstances that we'll look at when we get here, uh, Jesus kind of alludes to Peter that Peter is going to be killed uh, for his belief in Jesus, mm. which we know as Christians that eventually he is uh he is the one crucified upside down yeah um and uh jesus was telling this to peter and they see john falling behind them and peter's like well if that's going to happen to me what about him and jesus's response now it's a little bit more well put than what i'm about to say i'll throw that out there is basically what does it care uh, what does it matter with what happens to him? Mm. It's basically what Jesus says. I'm I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, he says, uh, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Yeah. But what does it matter what happens to him? Like, why are you thinking that way? Mm-hmm. That probably didn't feel good for Peter. No. It's an instant rebuking. <laughs> like, let's be real. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the quote's from. Uh, I can't remember the quote, so it's going to bother me, but it's a quote from, uh, this is not original. Uh, one of my favorite things, favorite quotes I've heard in a long time is this, you know, um, it doesn't matter. It's not fair to you, and that doesn't matter. We should never look to our neighbor's bowl to see what we don't have, but to make sure that they have enough. Mm-hmm. You know, when Peter's rebuked right there is one of my favorite things. Cause it doesn't matter. You're not looking to see what he gets. Mm-hmm. All right. We don't look to others, to our neighbor's bowl. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Gives me rolling. That's completely off topic. But I love that. Sorry. Ah. No, I was I was saying that, though, because it's not totally off topic. It's a little, maybe. But, like, that, that concept, Jesus in that moment didn't just step on Peter's toes. He stomped on. Mm-hmm. Like, hard enough to stop Peter in his tracks. Because, again, literally, it was a, why do you care? Yeah. And that as, as intense as I'm sure that was, as painful as I'm sure that was, I know for a fact that even as hostile as that seemed, Jesus did that with all the love in the world for Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And no one could tell me otherwise. No, and that's where a lot of what we're saying comes from. Yeah, because the way Jesus responds to people, yeah, it, it sucks sometimes to be corrected that harshly. But it's not so that you will feel bad, it's so that you will be better. Mm-hmm. And I wish more preachers would preach like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin, I kind of talked about where, you know what your background is with these kind of preachers. You know, I grew up in those kind of churches. Mm. You know, we grew up independent fundamental Baptist. I was IFB, hardcore at one time. I was that King James only that you keep making fun of. Uh, 
I think actually I make more fun of it than you do. I just keep bringing it up to make you mad. It's really fun. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's happening. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But uh, growing up independent fundamental Baptist, I grew up with preachers like this. Mm-hmm. You know, very hardcore about it. You know, a one-on-one basis. You know, they're kind of people who would like pour into you, and develop you, and disciple you. It was great. But behind the pulpit, it was very much making you feel bad about being a dirty sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's great. I need to be told I'm a dirty sinner. I need to know. I need to be rebuked in that. But I need to know how to get better from it. I need to be redeemed in Christ and shown how that happens. And so growing up in that kind of church, that's why I had that flashback. Because seriously, these things were said behind the pulpit and it hurt. And we got asked, uh, our next question here, we got asked to identify our favorite IFB stories. So many. Don't even know where to start. Yeah, I have a whole series we're going on TikTok right now. I need to make another one because I haven't made one in a while. I haven't made a video in a while. But uh, I have a whole series of these going on. And honestly, where do we start with these? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I don't. <laughs> I know you've probably got way more than me uh, just because I've never really like gone to a IFB church for a, any extended period of time. Like I've maybe visited one here and there like when i was a really little kid um but most of my experience with some of these ifb people has to do with uh the time i was working at the radio station um and a lot of my stories are more just like the nonsense that these people say uh like there was this one person who preached at the radio station that could be telling you the saddest story in the world. Like, I'm pretty sure there was one time she was talking about uh, somebody who uh, their mother got cancer, their brother died in a car crash, their father was a alcoholic and was arrested and just world crashing down around this person. But the way that she said it was, I'm going to back away from the mic a little bit, just give you a heads up because I'm going to get a little loud here. Shoot, I'm trying to remember what I just said. Oh, yeah. And their mother had cancer, praise God. And their brother died in a terrible car wreck, praise God. And their father is an alcoholic in jail, praise God. And it it was literally like every other word was praise God. Which I mean, I get that. I understand that. But why do you have to be so happy all the time? Like... We have joy, like, as Christians. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But God also gave us emotions of sadness. Like, we have a huge spectrum of emotions. and They all come from God. Yeah. Uh, None of them are inherently bad on their own. And like the Bible says, there's... uh, There's... uh, I can't remember how exactly it goes... Some along the lines of there's a time for laughing, there's a time for crying, uh, there's a time for whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, I'm sure somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. There is a season. Uh, yeah. A season to live, a season to die, a season to laugh, a season to cry. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, that's scripture somewhere. Don't know where, but I know it's in there. Um, <laughs> Keep going. I'll find the reference. But... Uh, it was like this person was trying so hard while telling this horribly sad story to be happy. And I can I can understand that. Like wanting to think positively, wanting to know that everything uh is a part of God's plan. Like, yes, I agree, all that stuff makes sense. But it is okay to be sad. Like, I know that's weird. You can't live in that. 
because that's whenever really bad stuff happens. Uh, trust me, I've been there. But it is okay to be sad for a period of time. You don't have to try and force this face, which that's another big IFB thing. Oh, yeah. uh, masks everywhere. It doesn't matter uh, what was going on in the parking lot. As soon as you step in that church building, everything is perfect. Actually, I've, I've preached a sermon. Have, you, have I told you about that sermon that I preached? Dude, you've used that illustration that I know you're about to talk about tons. Oh, okay. I can't remember. The sanctity of the parking lot. I did. Yes. Yeah. Because... You're right. That's uh, how we are trained. You are no longer allowed to have problems when you walk into the church. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time you can have a problem in the church is when the altar call comes. You better walk up, put it out the altar, and walk back to your pew. Because after it's on the altar, it's none of your business no more. That's all Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, is a con- that is the great concept here. But see, the thing is, that's the mentality. is leave, Give it to Jesus. Jesus is going to take care of it. But Jesus says, no. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Mm-hmm. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, walk with me, your burdens will become lighter. Because what I'm going to mm-hmm. show you is what it means to be more like Christ. What it means to be able to walk in hope, peace, joy, and love. Absolutely. Oh, wait, sorry. that's a We could get going on that. Oh, but uh, the passage of scripture that you're quoted was Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season. Yeah. That time for every matter under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. Uh, what you were referring to to kind of move down a little bit farther is first four and five is a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and time to dance time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together that's the one time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing sorry so uh, just like what that says Mm -hmm. like it is okay to cry it is okay to be sad all of these things are okay because reality is none of them are too big for god no and i think so many times like people have this idea of church is like everything has to be perfect whenever we go in there. Uh, and even then that is coming from a mindset of, I don't want to be judged for what's going on. Yeah. Judged by other people. And they try so hard to make everything look perfect. And they try to do that on their own and just sort of cover up the problem. And by doing that, I think it's easy to do that towards people sometimes. And when it gets easy to do that to people, how easy would it be for us to try and do that to God? Emphasis on try. Yeah. I think you helped me pick which story I wanted to share. Because the story that I'm going to share is right on that. Is it the parking lot story? No. Okay. It's the uh, gentleman that was in the church. You remember that? Have you have I told you this story? Have you watched that TikTok yet? Do you maybe. watch my TikToks, Kevin? No. <laughs> I mean, some of them. Uh, growing up, IFB. I think this is it's not my favorite IFB story, but it's one of the ones that's sticking in my mind very constantly. There was a gentleman mm-hmm. in my church who had a particular liking for a certain age of gentleman. Oh yeah. And I'm going to place it that way because, well, I don't know who's watching. I don't want to go that far. Trigger warning, this is not a fun experience. Growing up in the church, uh, the teenage boys, there were three of us preacher boys. Three of us who devoted devoted ourselves I was 15 at the time, 16 at the time, but the guys were about a year older than I was. Mm -hmm. We devoted ourselves to Christ, we were going to become preachers. That's where we felt the calling of God in our lives. Now let me explain something to you. Out of the three of the boys, I'm the only one who pursued vocational ministry. One of them is just now coming back to Christ. The other one is a pest control specialist. That's kind of what happened to us. And I want to say that one of the major reasons probably stemmed from here. Gentlemen of our church used to take uh, the boys out for lunch with his wife. They go over to the house and they would uh, spend time together. The church made it look like it was a great discipleship opportunity. In the time of discipleship, uh, some things came to light. Now, granted, I was never invited to lunch, which really upset me mm-hmm. until I found out why. Nothing like rejection, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but the gentleman came out to find out that these lunches were not just lunches, but things were going on at these lunches. Things were happening. And when this was brought to light, the way I found out was my dad approached me and asked me if this gentleman 
had ever done anything bad to me, anything wrong to me, and things like that. And if I was, if I would have said yes, I'm pretty sure that gentleman would not be alive. He is not alive today. Neither is his wife. That's why I'm being more lenient on telling the story. Because, you know what? He is dead. Let it be buried with him. Mm-hmm. Let this be where we buried. Gentleman decided he was going to uh, invite these friends out and do some actions. And when it came to the church's response to this, the church's response was, okay, well, hey, uh, that's bad. Don't do that. Um, but we're not going to do anything about it. Because we can't call the cops on him because it'll make the church look bad. Mm-hmm. So we put it underneath the rug and make it look better. We're, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We'll we'll fix the problem. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. The only reason why the gentleman left our church was because the parents of the kids stepped up, including my own. I always laugh because my, my mom is a rather short lady. I don't get my height from my mom, although I get it from her side of the family, which mm-hmm. we always laugh at. But... um. Watching this gentleman who is about you know five ten, look at my mom who's about five three, five two. He kind of glanced back at me, and all I saw was my mom lock eyes with him, like try me, and watch what happens. Because my mom was a feisty, feisty lady. She still is. Mm-hmm. Still kind of scared of her. It's fine. <laughs> but he let him and his wife left the church because the parents stepped up and said, "You come near my kid ever again, and it's game over for you." Because how dare you do something like this? But the church's response to this, and this is the IFB mentality, was that we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to call the cops. We're not going to do any of that because it'll make the church look bad because we'll wind up on the media for the wrong things. We can't do that. So we'll make the church look bad. It's going to shut down the church. But the church is the most important thing here. Mm. We can't make the pastor look bad. We can't make the church look bad. Two most important things to the church. Y'all, this is just one of many examples I have mm. of this nonsense. For one reason, one reason alone, you guys go on to TikTok. There's, I think it's at Exposing IFB. That's his name. Yes. And he has countless clips of these guys. Yo, people, Dude's done his homework. He has. And it's amazing just watching all these different people pop up and preach. Because these are very stereotypical IFB pastors. These mm. are IFB pastors preaching these hardcore ways. The latest one that I watched, which drove me insane because I saw I had a pastor say this to me. If you can't control your church, your kids in the church, pull them over there in the Sunday school class. Take them outside. They need to behave and not make a noise in here. They're being a distract, distraction. Yeah. If you can't get over the fact that an infant is crying in the service or something like that, like if that bothers you that much, learn how to chill. Because let's be real. That mama probably went through just as much, if not more, trying to get ready to get to church than you ever could have. You putting your suit and tie on that morning was only a fraction of how much work she went through. Mm-hmm. Get, or even he might be a single dad. Might just been a dad who's bringing the kid to church. Might be a mom bringing kids to church. You know, parents join together, do what you're supposed to do, help each other out, whole different thing. But those parents got up that morning to come to church, and they're just as embarrassed about their kids speaking up as you are mad about it. If not more so. Oh, yeah. I've I've had the experience of uh, having a friend who, uh, no, he was several years old he's he is he's not dead or anything but he's several years older than me and he uh and his wife uh brought their infant into the service and just like always and he was just having a rough day like pretty sure uh the baby was had some sort of like ear infection Mm. or something like that uh he was just not feeling good and uh they brought him into the service and he was he was getting fussy some um but reality is he was not being loud he was just making a little bit of noise just because he was uncomfortable he didn't feel good like 
all of that totally makes sense. I, mean, I make noises, but I don't feel good. Exactly. Um, think about like that person who comes to church with a cold. Oh yeah. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing going on. And after the service, like I just happened to be sitting with them at the time. And after everything wrapped up, uh, my buddy looked over at me, and he goes, you know, I'm sorry our kid was being so loud. I, I know that was probably bothering you. And he told that same thing to, like, all of the people around us. And we were all like, dude, what are, what are you talking about? Like, he was barely making a noise. Yeah. Just because these parents were so afraid that this kid was being a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to miss what the pastor was saying. And that same Sunday, I'm going to be real with you, they got their kid up and ready, their infant, because homie was a football coach. Mm-hmm. And he went to go pick up one of his football kids and his football kid's girlfriend. And then came, got his wife and the kid, after they had gotten ready at their house, then came to church. Mm-hmm. Like, homie was the bus driver for that morning. And he made that happen because he knew that that was such an important place to be. Yeah. It, he put so much... Guys, I'll be honest. My favorite uh, story for preaching with this kind of concept was I was out preaching one day. Mm-hmm. It was when I was being the intern around here. And I was, I was really getting into it. There's one kid, and I I know he didn't talk. He can't he can't he can't form words, but I know the thing he said was "Amen" in whatever language he was speaking, mm. because it just cried out like the crowd was kind of dead. And I felt like I was preaching against the wall here. Mm. And I knew God was really kind of. It was a moment God blessed me through this child, which made a huge moment in my life because I preached on fire that day Absolutely. afterwards because he just cried, cried out and said "Amen," and I died laughing on stage. I was like, I can't, the, the amount of joy that hit me was mm-hmm. just overwhelming. Like, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. it was just so much, just pure bliss, pure joy that came out of that. And the church, of course, died laughing because it was a great opportunity because the kids just said it so loud and echoed through the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. The reason why that's my favorite moment, and this, I made the comment on stage that day because I watched the parents go, oh, no. Because it like interrupted my sermon. I made the comment, y'all, it is a blessing to hear the little ones of Christ in this church today. Mm-hmm. Because that means our church is alive and well. Exactly. Y'all, if there is kid noises in your sanctuary. You're doing raised, something right. That means the young families are there. Mm-hmm. They're raising, the kid, raising their kids up in church. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And the vice versa of that. The opposite mm-hmm. side of the coin is exactly true as well. Mm-hmm. If there is nothing, you might be sitting in the middle of a dead church. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but a lot of these IFB churches are like that. A lot of them are dying. A lot of them, you get these people who are too angry. You're running off kids Mm -hmm. doing this. You're running off families that do this because you come after them for their kids being lounger. Kids are noisy as natural. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. Yo, my favorite thing sitting in the middle of church. I was sitting in the pew, and the kid in front of me had Tonka truck, had like the little race car Tonka trucks, mm. and he was going back and forth on the back of the pew, and it made me so happy because he wanted me to play Tonka trucks with him. And I was like, buddy, I gotta listen. Pick up Tonka truck, going back and forth, handed it back to him because it was really fun. Mm. But that was the biggest place. And what did the preacher talk about that day? No idea. Yeah, it's kind of a distraction. But you know what was great? The fact that I made as a youth pastor I made a connection with the kid. Exactly. And he wanted me to play Tonka trucks with him. And so you now know, to bless him. There's actually a Bible story as well uh, that kind of goes along mm-hmm. with this idea. Um, way back in the day, Jesus was doing his thing, you know. And this is going to be the, the Kevin Gentry version. Um, Jesus was doing his thing. And uh, he was with his disciples and everything. And uh, some kids roll up. And they're like, hey, that's Jesus! And you know, these kids are all like, stoked and everything and jesus is uh like hey what's up fellas and what did the disciples do after all these kids start trying to come to jesus 
started shooting them away. Yep. No, 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 no. Can't be having that. And the disciples uh, try to run these kids off. And Jesus says, yo, what are you guys doing? Don't you know that these are the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? And like, that's exactly what's going on in these churches. These disciples or uh, disciples uh, of Jesus and church people are saying like, hey, these these kids are rambunctious and loud and uh, being distracting. They've got to get out of here. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? I value them the most. Because they have faith unlike any of you. He, he goes so far, like I believe it's in Matthew chapter 18, he goes so far as to say, it is better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and for you to be tossed into the depths of the sea than for you to offend one of these. And when you so, one of these, you talk about the little kids. Yeah, so basically the millstone or whatever, just a really big rock. Yeah, you gotta think, this is a, a rock that was designed to crush grain. So it's sitting about six yes. to ten feet tall. Couple hundred to a thousand pounds. This Easy. is basically Jesus is embracing the mafia mentality of tie a rock around him, throw him into the bottom of the ocean. Oh, where do you think the mafia got it? Exactly. It all started with Jesus. Jesus and the Italian mafia. Bree, video <laughs> sticker. <laughs> but like, this is the like when it comes to IFB churches, and we, we do need to go ahead and move we on to the next question here. But this might be a little long of an episode, guys. Just bear with us. It's going to be great. We'll blow through the rest of it. will be fine. Yeah. But uh, honestly, guys, with IFB churches, when it comes to this idea, it's really crushing them because it's a lot of hate coming out of them. Mm. And we were discussing earlier, there is other churches just like this that are not yes. IFB that are being so hateful. And, and the we got a question that directly asks the question that we were kind of dodging around the last episode i wouldn't necessarily say dodging maybe but not directly addressing and i want to make something very clear here i'm not here to bash anybody else which i know it seems like we've been bashing no we've been corrected this is a review mm. in this and you know what i'm hoping that people who are part of these churches will change mm. remember this is us trying to be like jesus whenever he says Peter, what the heck does what whatever happened to John have anything to do with you? Yeah, exactly. So when we say this person's name, because they, they asked the name plain and simple. Oh, yeah. We're going to state it. But when it comes to this, I'm not bashing him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to evaluate him. I'm going to be what's called a fruit inspector when it comes to Scripture. See mm -hmm. the fruit. Does it doesn't match up with what Christ said it's going to be. But the question is very simply this. Is Greg Locke a Christian? Now, if, if you don't know Greg Locke, we need to kind of address that first before we really get into that. We could honestly be here for a very, very long time just talking about the stuff Greg Locke has done. But I'm going to say, look it up, uh, do a little bit of research, then come back here after you kind of have an idea of who this guy is. Yeah. I know Wayne knows a lot more about him than I do, and I know he's probably going to tell us about it a little bit. Yeah. But I, you need to know who this guy is in order to understand where we're coming from. Yeah. This is the pastor of Global, Global Vision Bible Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He is very famous for his videos on Facebook when uh, COVID-19 first hit. Of him going to Starbucks without a mask on and going off on the waiters and waitresses or the baristas uh, about him asking him to put a mask on because it's a mask mandate. They had to wear it. And he goes off on it. Mm -hmm. He is very much, uh, I love it because he's part of the people who started calling people sheep. And I kind of want to look at him and go, yeah, but you're called to be an under shepherd. So why is that a bad problem? Mm -hmm. You know, is he has a lot more hatred in his heart than anything else. He grew up, when I first met Greg Locke, because I have met the man, he's when I first met him, he was a good man. Mm. But like many pastors, because he's like another bunch of people who grew up learning the Word of God, mm. preaching the Word of God, then something 
hit. His head got too big. The fame got to him. And so now he's too radical in that mask. I'd put him in the same category as I would like people like Joyce Meyer, Joel Olstein, these big level preachers. The ones who forgot humility mm. was part of the job. Now, question is, is he Christian? Well, from what I've been told, and from his own declaration, he's accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. To the answer the question very directly, yes, he is a proclaimed Christian. That's important to say, though. He is a proclaimed Christian. Because when you look at the fruit, I don't see it. There is uh, another scripture thing. I know I'm just throwing a lot out there and have no idea where exactly it's at. But um, it... I'm going to jump back to my past. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Jump it in. talks about um, Jesus saying, uh, not all of those who proclaim my name will make it into the gates of heaven. And that is, it's not saying like people who are saved won't get there unless they do these things. That is not what that is saying. I want to throw that out there right now. What it is saying is there are people who will preach Jesus, will share Jesus, will do all these things for Jesus, but not really give their life to him. Uh, the Left Behind series, I actually kind of pictured this. The first of the Kirk Cameron Left Behind series, there is a preacher. If you've never seen them, it like dates back to the 90s. Sorry. The first movie, there's a scene where uh, the guy, Kirk Cameron's character, walks into the church looking for help, trying to find out what's going on. And here is the preacher mm. crying out and yelling at the cross, yelling at God. Because he's like, look at all the things that I've done for you. I've proclaimed your name. I've served behind the pulpit for pulpit for so long i have abstained from this 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 and this and it's kind of pushing this idea that i did all these works why didn't you take me too it's because you know one thing he failed to do was actually accept christ as his savior Mm. and the gospel says very clearly if you accept me as your lord of your life let me be your savior let me not just be savior but god and king Mm. then you'll be saved and this is kind of mentality that we have to go along with it what all goes into that but when it comes to people like this, you're right. There's going to be people who will claim the name of Jesus just like that preacher that don't actually know Christ. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens is when they proclaim the name of Jesus, they get some things of Jesus wrong. You mm-hmm. know, we always look at like the big mega church preachers like Joel Olstein, who is preaching a gospel that's false. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you let me just when you're kicking pastors out of your church. Because they look at you and ask you the one question, where's your Bible? When you walk up on stage not preaching from the Word of God, I have a problem. When your Bible is secondary to the words that you're going to say, I have a problem. That's obviously an issue. And the one thing we're seeing a lot with Greg Locke now is this. Greg Locke went through a rough period of time. Growing up, uh, from what he's told me, he's homeless, grew up in like the Nashville uh, men's shelter, things like that. He was uh, sitting in, out of his testimony, he was sitting in, the, in a refrigerator box that he had found, hiding away, trying to, you know, when he was a kid, hiding away. He had the word of God with a flashlight, and he came to know Christ in that refrigerator box. And his testimony is wonderful at the moment. But the problem is, from where his testimony was to where he is now, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened that has shown lack of fruit. Mm. And I think it's not because he is not a Christian. I think it's because he's gone astray. First Timothy chapter 6 really kind of talks about people like this. And it's something I really want to kind of push uh, here because I think it answers the question. Uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 3, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of God, Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands, understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth and imagine that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot, cannot take anything out of this world. Mm-hmm. But we have food and clothing. With these, we will be content. False preaching towards people like this. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I did not get in the ministry for money. The reality is this. 
you're not going to make money on ministry. If you're making money on ministry, check what you're doing. Because what you're doing is more about you than about the church. Because mm. Greg Locke is a Christian. He's not a pastor. He needs to step away. He's been disqualified according to Scripture already for other reasons. He is not about uplifting. He's about dissension within Scripture. I'm calling him straight out for this because I think he needs to be rebuked. Yes, Pastor, uh, for Pastor Paul. Yeah, the Apostle Paul. First mm-hmm. Timothy chapter six calls these people out for this right. Mm-hmm. And so, will I answer? Yes, he is a Christian, but he's a backslid Christian. I, I will also make the statement here because if you look him up, you'll find videos of some of his most recent sermons, especially about the book burning uh, that they had. The book burning and the the whole witches thing. Yeah, the witches is where I have an issue here because if you're casting out demons. Praise God. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But when you're communing with demons and they're giving you names, things like that, uh, you need to check yourself there, buddy. Because that's communing with demons. That's mm-hmm. evil. That is within Scripture, evil. And to go so far as to threaten to expose them to a congregation. Because Pastor Greg Locke is not, or that's what he's called, sorry. Greg Locke, I don't want to call him pastor. Greg Locke is not dangerous by himself, Mm -hmm. but is the army that he has built at his church and on his communities, on Facebook and things like that, that make him dangerous. I'm going to come straight out and say Greg Locke is not a pastor, especially not what a pastor should be. No. That man has created a cult. And he is the leader of that cult. It kind of falls into this like fourth question too, and I'm going to just use this as kind of the basis because you're 100 percent right. There's two kinds of people, or two kinds of churches out there. Mm-hmm. There are Jesus worshiping churches, and there's pastor worshiping churches. Mm-hmm. When your church is worshiping the pastor, if it's more important that you go to Greg Locke's church than you go to the church that Lord has put you in, there's a problem. Yep. If you can't go to any other church and worship. There's a problem. When you're preaching conspiracies and you're preaching dissension, when you're causing fights, when you're causing a break in the community that you're around, there's a problem. When you are preaching a gospel of open hostility, just like we talked about earlier, yeah. and this time I'm meaning like the hating hostility. Yeah. You are preaching a gospel that is totally opposed to everything that Jesus spoke about. My God came to earth as the the lamb. He came as the perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He will come again as the lion to rule over the kingdom of God. But when you're preaching violence from the pulpit, like what he was, like what the last sermon he did, this idea of exposing witches, you even cough in the wrong direction. We have six names. Three of you guys are in the quote. We know the names of six witches in our church. Three of you guys are here, and we have an address for one of you. And if I am understanding correctly, that was the information that he got from the demons that told him. Oh, well, he got the six and names. That, even to that extent, that is if the witches were even there. Yeah, I am still not entirely convinced that there even were. Me neither. Because to be honest with you, why would they show up? Exactly. If they're showing up, if they're coming to hear you preach, guess what? They're trying to find the gospel. They're searching for something. They're searching for the word of God. Mm. And what he just did is he locked them back in their faith. Locked mm. them back in that witchcraft. Locked them back in the darkness. And said, <laughs> you cough in the wrong directions and we're coming for you. Y'all, when I, and this happens a lot of IFB churches, I've seen the militarized side of the militant side of the church way too often. And this is the reason why the church universal has become gotten such a bad name. Mm-hmm. Is because we've become so hostile towards each other that we militarize ourselves to go and fight a group. Y'all, God never called us to go to war. Never. We find in the Old Testament where he tells us to go take the land that I've promised you. 
wholeheartedly. I see that in Scripture. We see the great battle in the end times, but our war is not against flesh and blood. Mm. That is what we're told to this day in the book of Ephesians with the armor of God. I believe it's chapter 6. Mm. Our, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Against things, the principalities of darkness, things of evil, the spirits, of God, uh, the spirits that are against God, devil himself and his minions. Mm. That's who our target is. That's who we fight against with every day. Would we target each other? Then if I'm preaching to target, it's not because they're evil. It's because I want you guys to think I'm great. Because the longer I get you to follow my directions by hating somebody, 